And you all may be seated, and as you're being seated, if you'll find your Bibles and open them up. Paul had that look like, there's one more song. Uh, Open your Bibles or turn them on. We're in Luke 17, uh, and we're also going to be in Hebrews chapter 11 today. Luke 17 and then Hebrews chapter 11 today. I'm continuing our series that we've had throughout the fall called Missing Words. And here's my goal in this series. We are identifying some words that are often missing in society or in church And then we're looking at what does the Bible have to say about these words. And then thirdly, we're talking about how does it change our life whenever these missing words are found. And today, I want to talk to you about two words that are absolutely vital to your spiritual life. Uh, Without it, it is impossible for you to know God. Without it, it is impossible for you to grow spiritually. What I am talking about is I am talking about faith and then an overflow of faith, which is faithfulness. Men, faith is as vital to your spiritual life as an engine is to your truck. Without it, you don't go anywhere. Ladies and men, though ashamedly so, faith is as vital to your spiritual life as love is to a good, you'll see why I said that in a moment, as love is to a good romantic comedy. Without love in a romantic comedy, it's not worth watching. Kids, faith is as vital to your spiritual life as chicken nuggets and mac and cheese are to your diet. Without it, you will starve, right, Cooper? Oh, yeah, 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 absolutely. Cooper was, Cooper's over there going, yeah, 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 as I say the first part, and then when I say, right, Cooper, he goes, oh, no, not me, not, not, not me. So in our passage today, it begins with the disciples making a request. So look at Luke chapter 17 in your Bibles. The apostles said to the Lord, increase our faith. Increase our faith. If you have the faith of a mustard seed, the Lord said, you can say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea, and it will obey you. And then Jesus continues in the next section. Which one of you, having a servant tending sheep or plowing, will say to him when he comes in from the field, come at once and sit down to eat? Instead, will he not tell him, prepare something for me to eat? Get ready and serve me while I eat and drink. Later, you can eat and drink. Does he thank that, does he thank that servant because he did what he was commanded? In the same way, when you have done all that you were commanded, you should say, we are unworthy servants. We've only done our duty. So in the first couple verses here, we see Jesus talking about faith. In the last section, we see Jesus talking about faithfulness. Now notice the apostles asked Jesus to do what? Talk to me now. Increase our faith. Now who did they ask to help them? They went to the Lord. Now this is important. Our faith will never be greater than the object or person in which we place our faith. And a lot of times we have disappointing experiences with faith 
because we've placed our faith in the wrong people or the wrong things. The other day, I placed my faith in my nine-month-old puppy, Murphy Bear. Yeah, I was going out of the house, and he looked at me, and he said to me, don't put me in my crate today. And I said, I think you're ready. I think you're ready. I believe in you. And with all my might, I put my faith in him. And I walked out of the door, and I came back. It was a couple hours later. I came back, and I discovered that I had placed my faith in the wrong object, in the wrong person. There was a pillow from the couch that was all over the stuff. Just a, just a throw pillow, not, the, not like the actual couch. But yeah, yeah. Uh, there was a remote control that now has little tooth bites all, all in it. So... Uh, if anybody's looking for a dog for Christmas, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> kind of kidding, but we're still praying through it. But uh, we can place our faith in the wrong people, in the wrong things. And we think to ourselves, if only, if only I can fall in love, if only I can reach financial security, if only we can have our first child, if I can only get there then all will be great. And we place our faith in these life achievements, these milestones, people that come into and out of our lives. And misplaced faith will always let you down. Yet is not faith an integral part of Christianity? Is it not? So let's ask this question, what is faith? And if you have your Bibles, if you'll go to Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 1, because in Hebrews 11, 1, we see a definition, a working definition of what faith is. So here the Bible says, now faith is the reality of what is hoped for, the proof of what is not seen. So when we think of that word in the Greek, it's pistis, it's, 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 a, it's, a, it's a way of seeing things. So as Christians, we, we live with a worldview that is grounded in faith. Do you know that everybody has a worldview? A, a worldview is the lens through which you basically understand and see life. So there are people outside of Christianity that have a secular or an atheistic worldview. Some people might have an agnostic worldview. Uh, as Christians, we have a biblical worldview. So as a Christian, we want to see the world through the lens of God's truth. But did you realize this, that, that we need more than just truth? You could actually have a biblical worldview and not be living out biblical truths. What activates a biblical worldview in your life and mine is faith. Not only do we have truth, but we are placing our faith in that truth, in the God of the Bible, and we are living our lives in Him. And so in Hebrews here, it talks about this reality that though I cannot see God, and there are certain things about God I just don't understand. I've always maintained that the scariest theologian in the room is the person that has all the answers. 
There's things about God I, I, I just don't know. But I'm called to believe in him. And a person of faith takes that step of trust and place your faith in God, and you are persuaded of his goodness, you are persuaded of his power, persuaded of his holiness to the degree that you are placing your hope, you are placing your life, you are placing your belief system in him. So when my faith is in God, the reality of what is hoped for can become seen. The spiritual becomes physical. The unknown becomes known. Hope becomes anchored in reality. Now, I should say a little preface here, and we'll talk a little bit more about this in the next couple weeks, or next week. Hope in Christianity goes beyond the temporal world. Hope in Christianity is always anchored in the eternal world, in the reality of heaven. And so when you talk about that word hope and placing your faith in the hope of God, you always have to maintain that eternal scope or you will somehow get your theology into the deep weeds. Now, if you go down to verse 6 of Hebrews chapter 11, the writer of Hebrews says these words about faith. Now, without faith, it is, talk to me now, what does it say? Impossible to please God. Now, this is one of those verses that, man, i got to kind of lean into it a little bit. Because it doesn't say without faith it's difficult, challenging. It says without faith it's impossible to please God. So the scriptures are teaching me here that for me to live a life that is pleasing to my God, for me to truly experience Christianity, I have to be a person of faith. Without faith, it is impossible to please God, for the, the one who draws near to him must believe that he exists and rewards those who seek him. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. And I would say this, without faith, spiritually, you dry up. Your spiritual life dries up when you're not exercising the faith muscles in your life. You say, but pastor, I believe the Bible from cover to cover, and I even believe the maps. I even believe that it's genuine cowhide. Well, good for you. I'm glad that you believe the Bible. But are you exercising faith in your life? You can go to church. You can be here every Sunday. Your best friends can be in the church. You can have lots of fun with your church buddies. But if you do not have faith, if you are not drawing near to God and seeking His presence and seeking His power, you are drying up spiritually. Faith continually believes in the existence, the love, and the power of God. Faith perseveres in this world and finds hope in the eternal reality of heaven. And so the disciples come to Jesus, and they ask him very simply, increase our faith. And they should be applauded here. 
Because the disciples, even though they were walking with Jesus, dining with him, sleeping where he slept, and seeing everything that he did, they recognized something. They didn't have enough faith. They needed more. Do you realize that that faith isn't easy? If, If you look at the Scripture stories, and if you continue on into Hebrews 11, you'll see that there are examples of people who lived their life in faith. And each one of those examples of people that lived their life in faith, you know what they also had? Struggle. Faith has to persevere through struggle. Faith has to persevere through the unknown. Faith has to persevere so that it might mature. To mature, it must endure. And so for you to grow as a man or a woman of faith, you're going to have to exercise the faith muscle. And you're going to go through difficulty. You're going to go through challenge. Now, I don't think Christians should be just like, Lord, give me difficulty. I just love pain. No, that's not how you should be. But whenever we do find ourselves going through struggle, we are reminded that it grows our faith. Now, if you want to grow your muscles and have a hulking physique like Paul and me, if you want to have physiques like the men that have stood before you today, I'm joking. We look more like the alpaca. But, uh, you know, you know if, you want to get in, if you want to get in shape, what do you have to do? You have to work out, right? You know, I'm like, I can't get the alpaca out of my mind now. It's stuck in there. Every time I look at Lash, I'm going to see the alpaca. You got to work out. You got to work out. You got to exercise. You got to go through the endurance. If you want to get in shape where you can run, you got to get out of breath. If you want to get your muscles strong, you got you to work them to the point where they actually tear down and regrow. And Jesus says in, in verse 1 of Luke 17, he, he starts it out with, offenses are going to come. There's going to be challenges. Marriage can be hard. There's going to be times where it's just difficult. Those of you that have children, you soon discover that it requires lots of patience. People can do wrong. Do you know what people can do wrong even in the church? Shocking, I know. Offenses will come, Jesus says. Faith pushes through doubt and struggle. And it holds on to God. And as we go through those struggles, as we go through those difficult times, God grows and matures our faith. And that faith can have a mighty, powerful effect. Look at verse, uh, chapter 17 of Luke again, verse 6. Jesus said, If you have faith the size of a mustard seed, the Lord said, You can say to this mulberry tree, Be uprooted and planted in the sea, and it will obey you. Faith the size of a mustard seed. You say, Well, that's not much faith. A mustard seed was known for its smallness about one to two millimeters in diameter. 
And God calls us to plant our faith in him. And here's what Jesus says. When we do this, the ordinary can become extraordinary. God uses our faith as a means to reveal his power. Now notice this. God is the one who brings the increase. And if you have just a little faith rightly placed, God can use it to reveal his glory. Mulberry tree. How many of you are experts in mulberry trees? I was afraid someone would raise their hand. So a mulberry tree, my understanding is, I got this off the internet, so I think it's right. Wikipedia, trusted source, right? It can grow 50 to 80 feet high, has very, very deep roots. And Jesus says, faith tells that tree to uproot. But now you got to catch the next part. He also says, faith tells that tree to uproot and plant itself in the sea. And I believe he's referring to the Dead Sea, which is 1,000 feet deep and 35% salt. And you know why they call it the Dead Sea? Because nothing ever grows in the Dead Sea. Now, somebody went and planted a mulberry tree on this little island. I think it was like a development in order to try to sell rooms at the hotel behind it. Uh, so there is like a mulberry tree today in, in the Dead Sea. But what Jesus is painting is an impossible scenario. And he's telling us to take the little faith that you have, place it in your big God, and the impossible can become reality. Now, stick with me, because I know there's these little word bubbles that hover above your heads, and, and some of you are going, are going well, he's, he's going to go into name it, claim it. And st-. No, that's not where I'm going, but stick with me, okay? There are times when I've seen God clearly speak, and I've seen God magnificently move. I really don't have a lot of those. I mean, there's not like a ton of examples that I have where I can go back and say, whoa. I remember one time as a little boy, this one struck me. There was a guy in our church named Jim, and his son Daniel was one of my running mates, and Jim had this dire diagnosis, and the church prayed for Jim and gathered around him. I I never will forget it. I was a little boy in church that Sunday, and we all prayed, and, and Jim got this incredible report like the next week that the only way we could explain it was is that the Lord basically put his cancer into remission in a way that only God can do. Uh, now, Jim wound up dying of that cancer, but it was like 20 years later after he had raised his children and, and seen uh, most of what we would consider life here on earth. And, uh, but I'll, I'll just, I just remember that there was this moment where the church just gathered around Jim and we prayed over him. And the only way we could explain it was that God did a miracle. And so there's times where God just does the impossible, where God clearly speaks. And I've always encouraged people that when you see God do a miracle, you better pay attention. Because the miracle is not done just for the miracle's sake. If you look at Scripture, you always see that when Jesus performed a miracle, it was a sign that was pointing to a greater spiritual reality. 
So when God does something that only God can do, then it should cause us to pop our heads up and realize that God's at work. He's trying to get our attention in some way. And when God speaks to our hearts and he says something, he desires from you and from me obedience. And even though we can't understand everything, sometimes we just have to trust God and get ourselves out of the way. Now, there are other times when God moves mountains, but he does it one step at a time. So I was watching a documentary on climbing Mount Everest. I was thinking about it, and then I decided not to do that. But these mountaineers are trying to climb 29,000 feet Mount Everest. And so it takes at least a year of specific training, two months of planning. They actually spend three weeks just in acclimation before they try to summit. And then the final, the final bit's like uh, four days of, of climbing. In the end, and, and the, the documentary featured kind of the last parts in the end, a lot of them are just struggling to take one step. But one step at a time, they make it towards the summit. Now, when they began that journey, they looked up and they saw the awe-inspiring Mount Everest. But one step at a time, little by little, the mountain moves. The mountain's no longer in their way. They reach the top. And there are times in our lives where here's where we are, and we believe that God has called us there, but between us and there is the mountain. And so we say, God, will you move that mountain? And God says, why don't you climb it? Can't you just move it? Throw it in the sea? And God says, climb it. And so we start taking step after step after step. Sometimes God moves the mountain. He does the impossible. But sometimes God does that one step at a time. And God desires you to trust him today. And God desires you to trust him tomorrow. And God desires you to have faith that is seen in your life as faithfulness. Doing the duty. Doing what he's called you to do and doing it well. And so as you look at Luke 17 and verses 7 through uh, 10, these verses that we looked at a little earlier, Jesus gives the illustration of a servant. Now, slavery was a reality in Jesus' day. It was not good then, and it's not good today, but it was a very vivid reality in Jesus' day. In fact, over as much as half the world or more was in some form of slavery during Jesus' time. And so the servant was considered property, and they worked really hard. And he gives the illustration of the slave that has been out in the field watching sheep, plowing and plowing and doing the work of many men. And he comes in exhausted. And the master says, I'm glad you're home. I've been waiting for supper. Will you cook me some dinner? And so the slave does all of this and doesn't even get a thank you. He's just done his duty. And he gets up the next day and he does it again. 
A question for you. How do you think the slave felt? A lot of us feel that way. Trapped in duty? At work? I love it whenever you hear the cup rattle and someone says, sorry. A lot of us feel that way, don't we? Trapped in duty? At work? At home? You just do your duty? It seems like nobody ever notices or ever says thank you. Just going through the activities. I want you to know this. You're not invisible. And even if the people around you don't say thank you and don't notice, God does. And so I want to say today to the faithful mom or the faithful dad, Night after night, you're up with that baby, and you're exhausted. Your hearing is now fading because of the cries. That God sees you. I want to say to that couple that works hard to make sure that there's food for your children, to make sure that your kids have what they need, and even as you're working hard, every paycheck you give to the Lord, Every week you make it a priority to be here. God sees it. I want to say to that life group class that week after week studies the Bible together and you pray together. And I see these these emails go out. I see these texts go out where these prayer requests come across and I see the class caring for each other. And sometimes within these classes there seem to be so many struggles but you're faithful. You care about each other. You're in it together. God sees that. He sees your faithfulness. I was thinking of our Awana ministry. Now there's these Awana teachers that are here every Sunday serving the Lord in order to care about these kids. Those of you that volunteer in VBS or a camp leader, life group teacher, Door greeter, preschool volunteer. Thank God for preschool volunteers. And every Sunday you do your ministry and you just faithfully do it, whatever that might be. You just keep doing what God's called you to do. And sometimes you feel like nobody sees it, but God sees it. And sometimes you feel like it's not making any difference, but you know what? God can use your faithfulness to move mountains. And he may not do it in a spectacular, there goes the mountain sort of way. He may do it one step at a time as you summit Everest. And the next thing you know, the mountain's no longer in the way. God is using you. You may not see it immediately. It may be difficult, but he's using you. And when you faithfully serve him, Day after day, week after week, year after year, God takes those mustard seed investments of faith and plants mulberry trees in the Dead Sea. And you may never even completely see the results of all that you've done. But God's using it. God's using it. So please... Don't stop. Don't quit. 
Don't get discouraged and let your faith fade. Don't run away. By the way, where are you going to run to? Just keep being faithful. I want to finish with this passage of Scripture from Galatians. Let me read it and let these words um, pour over you. Don't be deceived. Don't be deceived. Then there's a colon after that because everything else kind of amplifies this reality that we could fall into deception. God is not mocked. For whatever a person sows, he will also reap because the one who sows to his flesh will reap destruction from the flesh. But the one who sows to the Spirit will reap eternal life from the Spirit. Now, look at verse 9. Let us not get tired of doing good, for we will reap at the proper time if we don't give up. When you faithfully serve God day after day, week after week, year after year, God takes those mustard seed investments of faith and he plants mulberry trees in the Dead Sea. He does the impossible when God's people trust him. Trust him with what you have. And he can take it and multiply it and use it. Would you guys be so kind as to bow your heads with me, please, as we come to a time of commitment. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to call you out. In fact, I'm going to uh, you can pray and you can talk to the Lord right at your seat today. If there's anything that you would like to pray with me about, I'll be here at the front and I'll be here after the service as well. Let me ask you this question, though. Is it hard? Is it hard right now in your life? You're struggling? How many of you would say, yeah, Pastor, right now, it's, it's just hard. I'm struggling. It's, it's hard to just, every day, it's a struggle. Again, I'm not going to call you out. I'm not going to embarrass you. I just want to pray for you. Would you just raise your hand and say, yeah, Pastor, it, it's a struggle in my life right now. Just, just pray for me. Just raise your hand. I see it. I see it. Several hands going up. Going through that difficult time. Father, I pray that you will help us to be faithful even when it's hard. Help us, Lord, to keep taking that next step, even when the mountain stands in front of us, and to trust in you. Help us, Lord, to be faithful. I also realize in this room there might be some individuals that are struggling with faith, there's some area of your life where God is calling you to just trust Him. And it's hard. It's challenging. He's calling you to take that leap into the unknown and just trust Him. And like the apostles who came to Jesus and said, Lord, increase our faith, that's your prayer today. Lord, increase my faith. 
If that's you, would you just lift your hand again? I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to call you out. You said, I just, I need the Lord to increase my faith today. Anybody? Sometimes just lifting a hand can be a simple, can be a simple marker where you, you just kind of, you remember this time. Father, I pray that we might have a faith that continues to increase and strengthen because it's not in ourselves, it's not in the temporal, it's not in those things which fade, it's in the eternal. And Lord, even whenever we find ourselves facing, facing the darkness, we know that on the other side of the chasm that we call death is eternal life in heaven. And that's where our hope is found. Listen, guys, I'm, I'm cheering for you. I love you all. I'm here to help you however I can. This church is here to help you however we can. I want to remind you of something today. You're not alone. The people in this room are in, in this world with you on purpose, for a purpose. And so we're here to encourage you and walk alongside you. Feel free to pray as long as you would like to pray. Feel free to stand and sing with the band. If there's somebody that you would like to go and pray with, feel free to just go over to them and pray for them. This is a time where we respond to God. So follow the Holy Spirit's leadership.